Welcome to the Mind Body Strong podcast. I'm Tanil, and I will be hosting you through conversations around all things that encompass a healthier version of you. Fitness, nutrition, mindfulness, self-love, and growth. The more conversations we have around this, the greater the world will become as we grow stronger in our mind and body. I made a goal for the umpteenth time to read more in 2020. The long-term goal was to read one book a month and a goal of pacing at 10 pages every night. Sometimes on the weekend, sometimes not, mostly during the week. And it allows me to stay accountable with a daily goal or action item. And I am so proud of myself to say that I finally accomplished this goal and even read one extra book for the year. Only in my late years of high school was I able to read and enjoy fiction books. Nonfiction has always resonated with me better, which is what all 13 books are. In this week's podcast, I'm going to share with you my greatest takeaways from these books. I'm not going to cover all 13, but I am going to list all of the books that I read and dive into those that resonated with me the most. I read Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop, The Science of Success by Waddles, The Power of Meaning by Emily Smith, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Road to Character by David Brooks, The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, Grit by Angela Duckworth, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. All right, now I'm going to dive into the four books that resonated with me the most. And it's not necessarily in any particular order. The first one I'm going to highlight is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. If you hear me talk about the conditioned mind, a lot of that originated originated from my readings in this book. He first talks about it when referring to the voice in our head. The voice we hear and that talks to us is our conditioned mind. This is a result of our past experiences and the collective culture mindset we have inherited. Often our conditioned mind works against us and limits us in our actions, beliefs, and outlook in life. The only way to decondition our mind and recondition, most importantly, when it's hurting us and inhibiting us from reaching our goals, is by pushing through it. First, feel the resistance. Be with it. Hear it. Understand it. And then create the right thoughts to turn it around along with the action to propel you in the right direction. I have said it along with read and may even quote in a later book that suffering is part of human nature. Suffering is part of the process of success, which it may be for you and you're able to come out of it on top, having achieved your goals. Eckert says something so powerful that contradicts all of that and puts a new light on it. I quote, the greater part of human pain is unnecessary. It is self-created as long as as the unobserved mind 
runs your life. Unquote. Meaning, if we are not present and continue to seek through desire of the past or the future, we will not be fulfilled and will perceive it as suffering. When you realize the present moment is all you will ever have, the past is gone and the future is not guaranteed. This moment is all we know for sure. You must make the now the primary focus of your life. When you make the now your priority, you can accomplish anything. I quote, pain can only feed on pain. Pain cannot feed on joy, unquote. When you observe pain, it's your duty to your life, your present moment, to first hear and feel that pain that is occurring through your conditioned mind. Then find joy in knowing you're in control of that feeling and can change it in that moment. I quote, all negativity is caused by an accumulation of psychological time and denial of the present. Unease, anxiety, tension, stress, worry, guilt, regret, resentment, all forms of fear are caused by too much past and future and not enough present. Unquote. Quite literally, you are denying yourself the present moment with negativity in anticipation of nothing. Because the future is nothing. It is not guaranteed. When I read that, it hit me hard. As I have experienced stress and anxiety, who hasn't? Especially in year 2020. Who hasn't? But how dare I? How dare I deny myself what I have in this moment? And let this moment propel me to the next moment. Because only what I do in this moment gets me to the next. Not the anticipation of a moment in the future. Stress is caused by being here, but wanting to be there. Again, when I read that, that hit me hard. And I thought, how dare I desire to be? and let it control my emotion somewhere I have not earned. And you only earn it by being in that current moment. Without this moment, you don't have the next moment. Eckert talks about time being a large contributor to our unhappiness. Time being a prison we put ourselves into that limits our beliefs, actions, and increases our stress and anxiety. I quote, to be free of time is to be free of psychological need of past for your identity and future for your fulfillment, unquote. Doesn't that resonate with you? If you didn't have any regret from your past and had no worry for the future, wouldn't life be joyous for you? The way to measure your level of consciousness in this, which is your ability to be in the present and have a positive mind, is how you deal with life's challenges. When adversity tries to persist in your life, do you let it knock you down? Do you let it control your mind? Do you let it in your conscious? Or do you live in the moment knowing that adversity will come and go 
and it will pass. And your reaction to it is all that controls the outcome. You may be wondering, what if my present is painful? A breakup, a loss, an unforeseen life event of any sort. I quote Eckert in saying, wherever you are, be there totally. If you find your here and now intolerable and it makes you unhappy, you have three options. Remove yourself from the situation, change it, or accept it totally. Which leads me to another point. I quote, any action is better than no action, unquote. If you have been in a bad headspace, the worst thing that you can do is stay in the negative state space by not taking action. Even if your action is the wrong choice, you don't know until you try. And you will learn from that wrong experience. But without action, you cannot learn or grow. Without failure, you cannot find the right path. I quote, the only thing that is ultimately real about your journey is the step that, are you, that you are taking at this moment. That's all there ever is. Your inner journey only has one step, the step you are taking now. I unquote. This is why I talk relentlessly to clients about the future or I'm sorry, not about the future of the weight loss goal, not about the weight that they lost last Monday, but the nutrition they are fueling with that day. Your weight loss is a byproduct of what you do in each moment. Don't tell me what your goal is in a year from now. Tell me what your goal is in each moment and how you're going to be true to that goal when adversity comes. I quote, there is only one point of access, the now, I unquote. What does that mean to you? Think about it for a minute. Pause this podcast or take a reading break if you need to. There is only one point of access, the now. How do you access your goal? By being present. How do you change your mindset? By being present. How do I find greater happiness? By being present. How do I make better decisions? By being present. Where do I start? In the present. Because there's no past and there is no future. We only have now. That and those points were my greatest takeaway. From the power of now. Now I'm going to move on to Grit. Grit is a book by Angela Duckworth and it's created to highlight the author's investigation into finding out what creates grit, the variance or similarities in those that possess it, and why grit means so much in our world. She found after studying highly successful people, they not only had determination, but they also had direction. She found the combination of passion and perseverance made high achievers special. And therein lies grit. I quote, our potential is one thing. What we do with it is another, unquote. This is the difference between a one-time high school jock telling someone what kind of athlete they could have been or used to be 
versus observing an athlete that actually becomes a professional. Grit can only be done through things we love. If you hate your job, you will not have grit to climb to the top. If you hate your workout routine, you will not have the grit to see it through. If you hate the healthy food that you think that you have to eat to lose weight, you won't have the grit to get the results you're after. I quote, Grit is about working on something you care about so much that you're willing to stay loyal to it. Unquote. If you truly have grit, you'll find a job, a workout routine, recipes that you love so much that you can be loyal to it. According to a research study done by Duckworth, there are four psychological assets that a mature paragon of grit have in common. Interest, practice, purpose, and hope. Without these four components, you will have a hard time finding the capacity and tenacity to accomplish your goals with that grit that's necessary to perform at the highest level. I'm going to break down all four points. First, we'll start, start with interest. Will Shorts was quoted in this book saying, I quote, My advice for you is, figure out what you enjoy doing most in life and then try to do it full time. Life is short. Follow your passion. Unquote. I'm not telling you to quit your job if you hate it. Or maybe I am. No, what I'm saying is if your job is not your vocation, then find that passion in a hobby outside of work. Find some time you can spend doing things that bring you joy as well as serving others. If you're able to find that passion, you'll find a way to make it your work. Truth is, if what you do for a living isn't something you're passionate about, you won't climb to the highest potential with it. The next point is practice. The key here is intent and practice deliberately. To practice something deliberately means to do it through preparation, full concentration, having immediate feedback, reflection, and continued repetition. You can only accomplish this by dismissing any judgment. Because in practice, we're going to fail. If we judge ourselves on our failure, it's going to distract us from continued effort. The third point, purpose defined as the intention to contribute to the well-being of others. What I love most about Duckworth's explanation on this topic was the value we put behind our job. For example, being a janitor may not be something that everyone grows up hoping to be, but we need janitors and we always will. As a janitor, you likely don't just fall into the position for someone who takes on this role, there must be a part of you that enjoys picking up after the others, ensuring people have a clean and tidy environment, and cleaning up messes that most people wouldn't know where to start. You see, how you view your job is more important than your job title. She says it perfectly. You can go from a job to a career to a calling, all without changing your occupation. Tim Robbins says, if you change your story, you can change your life. So as a janitor, you're not just a janitor who cleans. 
You're someone who makes a work environment more enjoyable because the office, the bathrooms and the hall stay clean. You make the, the jobs of others in the office easier because when others make a mess, they can de depend on you to clean up so they can stay focused on their job. You take care of the office, which makes everyone's life so much easier and enjoyable while at work. Without this purpose, your grit at work will be absent. The fourth point and last point is hope. Grit depends on hope. Grit relies on the expectation that our own effort can improve our future. To stay hopeful in times that are easy for it to be lost is stated so well by Duckworth in a reflection on what we've already talked about in The Power of Now. She says, it isn't suffering that leads to hopelessness. It's suffering you think you can't control. Meaning when we're lost in a job, what is supposed to be our calling, your hope can keep you going by knowing you can control the suffering by changing your belief around why you're lost. Your hope can remind you that you've overcome adversity before. With that reminder, you can no longer suffer. Stay hopeful in times of an unknown because that's the beauty of the unknown. It can turn out 10 times more amazing than expected. This is a growth mindset. Knowing your situation now is not who you are or the vision of the future. Duckworth has found growth mindset and grit go hand in hand. The third book I'm going to highlight is Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I quote, we can't address our thoughts and explore our minds when we're preoccupied, unquote. This is something that I find I need to work on continuously. Finding uninterrupted time for me to discover my greatest self. My greatest self cannot be found occupied in front of my phone, TV, computer, in a busy coffee shop, at work, etc. It has to be found in intentional time, carved out, where I can listen to my deepest thoughts. When Shetty says, time reflects values, it hits me hard. It makes me question any time I spend that doesn't add value to my life. It may suggest where my priorities are. Whenever I find myself lost in something that doesn't add value to my life, I'm able to quickly reject it by asking myself, how does this push me to better me? You may question your own downtime by thinking you need the time to relax, not to think and decompress from everyday stress. You may be thinking, my God, Tennille, can I just chill for a minute and not worry about self-growth and reflection? Well, having higher value in how you spend your time will propel us towards happiness, fulfillment, and meaning. While things of lower value promote anxiety, depression, and suffering. Comparing your life to those on social media or feeling behind because you only see one's highlight reel is due to having low values in how we spend our time. Consider that next time you find yourself lost in something that doesn't promote growth and happiness. 
Shetty does a great job talking about negativity and how it affects our life. He quotes a professor of his saying, cancers of the mind are comparing and criticizing. Instead, bringing this cancer upon ourselves, when you look for the positive in all things, you can better see the positive in yourself. Consider this. Any negativity that is brought to us from others can only be cultivated by our own doing if we respond and react to it in the same negative manner. If we respond to negativity with positivity, you will find yourself in a much higher place. Try this. Next time someone states something negative, state something positive. When adversity hits you out of left field, think of yourself the positive that is currently in your life. This is a cool thought. <clears throat> I quote, when it comes to happiness and joy, there is always a seat with your name on it. In other words, you don't need to worry about someone taking your place, unquote. Shetty is saying that if you want to be happy, that can never be taken or held from you. It is always in your power to manifest happiness. You can either sit in the seat or choose to stand. Either way, not a soul can take that from you. He talks on fear. I quote, Fear and anxiety disconnect us from our abilities, unquote. What, hap what happens is us being constantly afraid of what could be, thinking what might happen if we fail or are pushed by adversity stops us from trying. Studies show that being able to successfully deal with stressors, such as big work projects, moving to a new house, changing your nutrition, starting a workout routine, contributes to better health and greater feelings of accomplishment and well-being, which allows us to face fear more often and find and then push our ever-evolving limits. He then quotes Seneca, a philosopher, our fears are more numerous than our dangers and we suffer more in our imagination than reality. Whoa. I quote again, we suffer more in our imagination than reality, unquote. <clears throat> How dare we bring this onto ourselves? We owe it to our one life to not bring such limitation on ourselves. The greatest way to end my biggest takeaways from Jay Shetty's book is to quote a story he tells to better understand how to be your best, happiest self. A senior monk once told Shetty a story about the daily cho choices we battle and how to make the best choices in order to elevate. I quote, every choice in life is a battle between two wolves inside us. One represent anger, envy, greed, fear, lies, insecurity, and ego. The other represent peace, love, compassion, kindness, humility, and positivity. They are competing for supremacy. Well, which wolf wins? The grandson asks. The one you feed it, the grandfather replies. The grandson asks again, but how do we feed them? 
And he answered, By what we read and hear, by who we spend time with, by what we do with our time, by where we focus our energy and attention. The last book that I'm going to highlight is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. I quote, Ego-based power will only last as long as those things last. Self-power is permanent and based on the knowledge of self. Knowledge and experience of the self is the purest truth and you will never know anything pure. Without this knowledge and experience of self, our thoughts are based on the perception of others' thoughts, which leads to stress, anxiety, and self-doubt. We think we know what others are thinking, and it puts us in a position to change the things that we do and the way that we think and avoid our truest self. I quote, all relationships are a reflection of your relationship with yourself, unquote. This is a reminder of the importance of self-care, self-love, and self-discovery. If you have guilt, fear, and insecurity, it is not just mirrored to yourself. It is shown in the relationships that you have with others. You cannot fix your relationship with others if you do not work on finding your true self. One of the seven spiritual laws of success is the law of giving. Chopak says, if you want joy, give joy to others. If you want love, learn to give love. If you want attention and appreciation, learn to give it. Another law is the law of karma. And I've believed in the law of karma for a very long time. I quote Chopra saying, every action generates a force of energy that returns to us in like kind. What we sow is what we reap. We are infinite choice makers. And so many resist this concept. The truth is, I could offend you and you can choose to not be offended. I could compliment you and you could choose to not let it flatter you. He talks about us being bundles of conditioned reflexes that are constantly being triggered. As a result of this conditioning, we have repetitious and predictable responses to stimuli in our environment. Our reactions become automatic and we forget it's still a choice we're making. The food we eat, the time we wake up and go to bed, the things we do in our spare time, the way we communicate. The good news is our human consciousness is infinitely flexible through our nervous system. You are capable of consciously changing the information content that gives rise to your physical body. You can change the energy and information of your body, which will influence your choices, your environment, your world. And that's when things manifest. Those were my four favorite books and the biggest takeaways from them. I'm going to go over one bonus book with some uh, quick quotes and interpretations that I took from the book Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bush Bishop. 
Our thoughts are so powerful that they are constantly pushing you toward your goals. In any moment of decision, the best thing that you can do is the right thing. The next, ex- the next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing is doing nothing. That's actually a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Successful people succeed because they didn't let uncertainty, uncertainty stop them. But as soon as they choose certainty over uncertainty, they stopped achieving. They hit a wall. No matter how much you chase certainty, you'll never be able to hold it because it doesn't exist. Nothing is certain. Great thoughts speak only to the thoughtful mind. Great actions speak to all mankind. In order to improve your internal world, you have to start by taking action in the external world. Get out of your mind and into your life. And that is a wrap, my friends. I really hope that you are able to get something out of my readings and even cultivate your own interpretations of these books. I would absolutely love your feedback on this and your big aha moments that hit home for you. Email me or message me on Instagram so I can hear you and feel your energy on this. This is going to be my last podcast for the year as I plan to be taking time to enjoy time with my fiance and any family that I'm lucky enough to see. Please connect with me if there are any new topics that you'd like to hear about in the upcoming year or what resonated with you in the last seven months of podcasts. Happy holidays and new year to you and your family. And thank you so much for being a part of my fit family. Cheers to building a stronger mind and body. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you found value in it and will pass it along to someone else that could use this to help support their journey in building a stronger mind and body.